Good morning, folks. This is John Tipton. I am here with my co-host, Robert Sines, and we are pleased to bring you another exciting episode of the Texas Examiner. Today, we're very fortunate to, to have with us two very distinguished guests uh, in the law enforcement community. We have uh, Deputy Chief of Criminal Investigations, Nancy Sanford from the Bear County Sheriff's Office, and we also have with us uh, Kevin Wright, Texas Ranger with the Department of Public Safety, who is assigned to, to the Kendall County area. Folks, we have a wealth of experience sitting at, sitting at this table to include Robert, who is a, a, an ex-Border Patrol Chief, the law enforcement experience sitting here right now. Well, and you fought Somali pirates too. So well, the Somali pirates <laughs> and, you know, and law enforcement isn't just going out and arresting people every day. Uh, it's also dovetails into uh, um, Customs and Border Patrol. It delves into uh, a whole myriad of subsets of law enforcement. And between the four of us sitting here today, I guarantee you there's quite a bit of experience. So I'm really hoping that uh, you, the viewer and the listener, uh, will take away something uh, from this podcast as we attempt to educate you on how DPS, the Texas Rangers, local law enforcement communities work together to protect you the constituents and the citizens of the great state of Texas. That's a good, that's a good uh, place to start. Um, uh, Ranger Wright, Kevin Wright, yes. uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, why don't we find out a little bit about who Kevin Wright is, uh, take the mystery away from the Texas Ranger that lives in here in our county. <laughs> Tell us how you got here, Kevin. Oh, wow. Uh, so I'm originally from uh, Houston, Texas. Um, and so I started my law enforcement career in 1996 in Stephenville, Texas. I worked for their police department for three years. And then in 1999, I joined the Texas Department of Public Safety. I spent about five years in highway patrol, about five years as a DPS narcotics sergeant. And in 2010, I made Texas Ranger. Okay. I went out to El Paso for about three and a half years. And then I came here to the Texas Hill Country in 2013. Uh, we've lived in Bernie the whole time since we've been, uh, since 2013. Uh, my wife is, uh, you know, she's she's awesome, a smart woman. She works for Wells Fargo in San Antonio. I have uh, two daughters. Uh, they go to Bernie Middle School North and Bernie High. And uh, we're members of uh, the Curry Creek Church. And we just love being part of the the fabric of Bernie, Texas. Thank you, Ranger Wright. Um Nancy Sanford, uh, Bear County. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, now you've had an interesting career. You haven't just lived in in uh, Bear County or the surrounding area here. You've been all over the world. <laughs> why don't you Why don't you tell us a little bit about where how you got started in law enforcement? Yes, uh, absolutely. I actually started my law enforcement career in 1983. I was in the uh, Boston uh, Drug Enforcement Administration office. Came on out of right out of college, actually. Uh, I was going to go to law school to become an FBI agent. That was my goal and um, decided, uh, you know what, DEA's hiring. It was back in the time where there were a lot of cocaine wars going on and lots of drugs and not enough agents. And um, actually, my college uh, uh, track coach asked me about, what do you think about DEA? And I said, well, that's completely different, but definitely interested. So I interviewed out of in Indiana. I was at Purdue University and uh, didn't hear anything, headed to Boston to, to start law school. 
And next thing I hear that I was accepted to the academy in Glencoe, Georgia, and decided, okay, I'm ready. Don't have to go to law school now. And went through the training down there in Glencoe. And back then, of course, that was many moons ago, they uh, like to transfer you from one end of the country to the other. Mm -hmm. I was single, ready to go at the time. And so they said, guess what? You're going to San Antonio, Texas. Well, that's not a bad duty post. There's worst places you could be as a <laughs> yeah. DEA agent. Well, I have to admit, I didn't know much about San Antonio at right. the time. Yeah, you know, Basically, uh, urban cowboy was... What I knew. Right. <laughs> it looked intriguing at yes. the time. But uh, no, I was ready to take on the challenge and moved here and definitely started enjoying the job right away. I met my husband here who was with the U.S. Attorney's Office and started a family. Nice. And uh, was very fortunate not to have to move one of the policies with the Drug Enforcement Administration is that after so many years, you transfer. They, they like you to move around the country and you sign that mobility agreement, sure. which I knew uh, would come about. But, you know, it government started running out of money. There wasn't money to move people unless you went management. I stayed as a field agent. I loved just absolutely enjoyed my job as a drug enforcement administration agent got to do a lot of traveling a lot of international you did some undercover work too didn't you yeah did, did a lot of undercover work i was the only female here for a few years wow. and that was one of the reasons i got sent here because they didn't have any young agents and they didn't have any females so um that's interesting yeah uh, so 1983 you were in glencoe Yes, sir. We were there together, probably. <laughs> I was, wow. Yes, I was on the Border Patrol there. Yeah. June to September. Um, yes, I think we uh, probably crossed paths. <laughs> that, Maybe there's some video back then. Right. <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting. I wish the Border Patrol had hired you because uh, you were a track star, huh? We, we, we could have used you more than track. Yeah, I, don't know. I saw them sitting in those Spanish classes. I don't think I could have like that. That was, that was tough. Yeah. That was a tough curriculum right so so uh ranger right uh what inspired you to become a texas ranger wow um you know I, one of my best friend's dads uh was uh houston police department mm -hmm. and i remember we we would stand at the bus stop uh on their corner and he would he would work night shift for houston pd so he'd be coming home about the time we're waiting for the bus in the mornings and uh he just always had the greatest stories and you know even whether it was there at the bus stop or later on when we're hanging out in the swimming pool or, or whatever he he just had great stories he was a great role model uh to this day still a great role model i keep in touch with him um so uh, that was probably my i guess my first introduction into what a law enforcement officer is a cop is not always a cop uh you know cops are human beings cops are fathers uh, husbands, good people in the community. And so, uh, so when I went to college, I originally wanted to, I was, I played college baseball. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be a coach, uh, if I didn't, if I wasn't a professional baseball player. Right. So, um, and of course I knew that not everybody makes that. So, uh, but you know, a couple of years into it, I, I changed my direction. I, I thought I wanted to get into law enforcement. And so uh, I stuck with that through college. And after I graduated college, 
I went to work for Stephenville Police Department because I graduated from Tarleton State University. And uh, just from there, uh, I'd, I'd always thought about driving a black and white, you know, <laughs> uh, going to work for DPS, being mm -hmm. a state trooper. And uh, in 1999, I applied and, and got on and uh, been a little bit all over the state of Texas ever since. Wow. So They give you a, a, a new Crown Vic when you... When you signed the dotted Not line. a new one. Not <laughs> a new one. But I tell you what, my first duty station was Ozona. And for a while, I got to drive one of those old Caprices that oh, had wow. the Corvette LT1 engine. Right. And in Ozona, Texas, wide open road. So uh, there may have been some fast driving out in West Texas. <laughs> it's kind of hard not to put your foot down when you're out there because it's just endless. Endless. All right. We have not only do we have some uh, great law enforcement officers here today, John, that have a lot of experience, but they're also both of them are very uh, formally educated. And, yes, and uh, which which is great to 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 hear that that when you have law enforcement officers that not only are they trained in their academy and law enforcement, but they also receive a formal education. So kudos to both of you, Thank you. Uh, for that as well. Yeah, and having having grown up in in roughly the same time frame as. As y'all, it's not easy to 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 have number one have that mindset and that plan of where you're wanting to head, and then life throws you curveballs. But just going to, to to college, you know, in in the 80s and, and in some cases maybe the early 90s wasn't an easy task. I mean, everybody thinks back then everybody was like Animal House out partying and stuff. But to, <laughs> but to stay focused and, right. and, and achieve your goals, that's a, a huge testament to to who y'all are as individuals as well. Yeah. Thank you. Ranger Wright, what, uh, I got to ask you this. What, what are some misconceptions or uh, debunk some of the myths of being a Texas Ranger? We don't all know Chuck Norris. You don't know uh, Chuck we Norris. We don't know okay. Chuck Norris. Okay. Uh, I'm sure some of the guys up in the Dallas area have sure. met him because I think he lives up there. Sure. But, uh, but I mean, that's always neat when people talk about Walker, Texas Ranger. Right. Uh, and do you know Chuck Norris? It, it's it's always funny. That guy has done more for the Texas Rangers in the modern age than I think anybody. He he really put a, uh, I'm not going to say a spin, but it gave us a good reputation a good light. with mm -hmm. with the entire country. Right. And and I think he kind of refamiliarized the entire country with what a Texas Ranger is. And now, of course, we don't go around doing roundhouse kicks all the time, but uh, you know when necessary. Only, <laughs> only only when the cameras are there. Right. 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 But uh, that's one. Uh, we don't all ride horses all the time. Okay. We don't all sit around campfires. Um, but uh, then why'd you become a ranger? <laughs> that sounds like fun. I think, I think that was the bait. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, what about uh, uh, Nancy being a, a, uh, a female agent and officer? It's not easy in law enforcement. It's uh, it's still kind of a, a boys club, isn't it? And um, if you, you got to arrive to this position as the deputy chief, which is probably the second in command in, in some sorts. Is that correct? Uh, it's a little further down than that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you are in charge of criminal investigation, yes. which is one of the uh, probably, uh, in my opinion, one of the most exciting uh, parts of the job. Yes. Uh, I was very fortunate. I was actually retired in 2015. Um, I had worked with the sheriff, Sheriff Javier Salazar, in the drug enforcement world mm -hmm. when he was with SAPD and narcotics. And we had gotten to work a few cases together, gotten to know him. And uh, he actually sought me out and asked me if I was interested 
of course, he came into office, uh, was elected in 2017, and uh, I immediately went to work for him then. I felt very honored to uh, that he had asked me because it had been several years since I had seen him, and we kind of lost touch. Um, at the time, I didn't have my peace officer's license because as a federal agent in Texas, you're not in, uh, a peace officer, but uh, that was... That was fine. I, I was able to get that within the first year right. and um, started out as the deputy chief over criminal investigations. And I'm still in that position now. Um, it's definitely been challenging, completely different job than the Drug Enforcement Administration, but um, uh, so rewarding, really rewarding. And can you share with us probably one or two investigations that have stood out in your career that you could uh, discuss on the on the state side uh, yeah as as a uh, the deputy chief yeah, for deputy Bear County chief. gosh uh you know right now being over criminal investigations so i handle all crimes against persons crimes against property um the sheriff also uh, initiated the organized crime division and so that entails the covert side the intelligence side the mm -hmm. Uh, uniform gang, uh, street crimes, uh, interdiction side, and uh, you know there's there's a lot of different cases. But what's so special and so uh, wonderful about this is that we end we end up coming together and working together on murder cases. Uh, when we have homicides, there's always uh, there could be somebody. Of course, it's not arrested right away. And based on us being able to call our tag organized crime division and say, hey, you know, here's the leads. Can you go out and, and try and find this person, set up on their, you know, addresses, any kind of leads we have. And so then the homicide investigators can do their job. And I say that uh, to, to say that on a lot of these bigger cases, uh, let's say the Andrean McDonald case. That was a huge case back in 2019. Tell us about that a little bit. What yeah, so um, it was. It started out as a, a welfare check on a missing person. Miss um, McDonald had not been seen. Um, it was only a day, actually less than a day, but she was one of these very consistent people, routine, showed up for to work out, showed up for work, and uh, nobody had heard from her. And so her friends went over to check on her in the county. She lived in the county, and that's why we got called. And uh, she, she, she could not be located at first. So uh, we started, you know, looking for her. And her husband at the time came home. We immediately started interviewing and talking to him. Um, things were not adding up. And uh, the investigation continued. She was missing for several months. And in the meantime, uh, we were able to arrest him on a uh, tampering with evidence mm -hmm. case uh, charge. And in April, she went missing in February of 2019. And in June was when we found her uh, remains out in uh, actually out in Comal County, in Bear County, uh, right there on the line, right, right there at the Cibola. Um And so then the whole 
homicide investigation, you know, it, it never stopped, but it, it intensified at that point. And a few years went by, prosecutors, of course, were looking at it. We were able to uh, charge him with murder. And finally, uh, in, let's see, it was January of 2023, we went to trial and uh, he was convicted in, in February. Is this the offender that uh, was uh, an officer in the army out of, out of yes, Sam? Sir. Okay, that's I remember. Now it's coming coming back full. Yes, full circle. Lackland. Lackland. Okay, but he was an army guy though. He was in Lackland. intelligence. Okay, so he was on the hill, and that's uh, that was interesting. I remember thinking to myself, you know, with a military background and and just thinking about how that works. And I was an MP in 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 the army. And so I'm thinking, going through my head, the procedures and all the paperwork and talking back and forth between uh, CID at Lackland or actually probably Air Force AFSOI there to coordinate the efforts and make sure that, because it's, it's sticky on the military side. I know there's so many legal things that you've got to jump through. And so tell us a little bit about that. Was that intense? Is, were you detailed and involved in that level of the investigation? Yes, we all, we all were, you know, we are at a point in, uh, with the sheriff's office where a lot of times we take on other duties, uh, wear a lot of different hats because of our uh, manpower issues. And we did get involved with the military uh, there was a chance that he could have uh, put, placed the body on Camp Bullis. Oh, goodness. And so we spent weekends, weeks, days, days, weeks uh, searching for her body. And we did do a lot of coordination with Camp Bullis and um, some other of the, uh, the places, um, parks. We set up our com uh, mobile command post. We actually asked the public for help. We had hundreds of volunteers. We set up search teams. Um, you know, it was it was quite an event. It was it it went over. Like I said, it went over several uh, months, and we never stopped searching for her. We continued. We had a lot of help from local search parties and teams. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, you know, a lot of community involvement. But the military did get involved and they were very helpful to us. You know, I, uh, uh, back in 2018, um, I ran a portion of Camp Bullis. We, we had a, the Small Arms Instructor Training Academy. In fact, we've had it during the time. That was back when, when the government, we had all kinds of money for the global war on terror. And uh, on Camp Stanley, as the commander of this uh, marksmanship unit, I had a bunker out on Camp Stanley. And if you've never been out on Camp Stanley, yes. yeah, you've got a bunker and you will go from the gate to that bunker. You won't step right. one way this way, one way this way. <laughs> so no matter all those other bunkers that are out there, I had one. And at one time I had more ammunition in that bunker than was in the entire country of Afghanistan. My goodness. And so our mission was to to train actual marksmanship to people that were deploying uh, to country. And I had so much ammunition, I'm going, man, I, there's no way. I mean, I can, I can only go to the range so much. Because, right. you know, as an admin guy, I'm back, I'm just signing more paperwork. I don't get to do any of the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So I had a great idea. Why don't we reach out to our local law enforcement and see what kind of training they need. We've got the ammunition. Nobody, nobody's sitting there with a an account book going, "Oh, Tipton authorized, you know, twenty thousand rounds of five five six to right. 
but we trained FBI, we trained ATF, we trained nice. all branches, local law enforcement. It was very successful. So um, I just imagine the resources that were required to go out on the Camp Bullis and look for and everybody the bureaucracy goes, and the bureaucracy. Yes. But but I'm thinking, you know, as a as a layperson, they go through a process of okay, there's a missing person, there's a body out there somewhere. Okay, I'm smart enough to know that after a certain amount of time, there's going to be decomposition. Then there's going to be animals. There's going to sure. be all these different uh, things that could clue you in to where this could possibly be, but not taking into consideration the vast amount of area that you have to cover. So very resource intensive. And then of course my accounting brain kicks in and go, who's paying for all of this? <laughs> he always asks that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but before I, I want to get back to you, uh, Ranger Wright on a question, but uh, a similar question, but, but uh, Nancy, uh, may I call you Nancy? Absolutely. <laughs> I have to call you chief. No, okay. No, no, no. Not yet. In the board control, we call it, we have to call the chief chief even after he retires. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, so Nancy, uh, while you have the opportunity here on this podcast, is there a particular case uh, where you can in, you'd like to engage the public support? Like in that case, is there something that you want to share with our viewers that perhaps they can help Bear County? Uh, you know, we, I have a completely different case. It's actually a, a properties crime case, but it's been on the news. It's affected a lot of people, and uh, what it entails is the theft of services, theft of food trailer trucks, the food trucks that you see that have become so popular these days. Well, San Antonio is actually uh, very well known for manufacturing these and, yes. and selling mm -hmm. these food trucks. And uh, we came across a case of some concerned citizens that actually called uh, the sheriff and then um, my investigation unit got involved and come to find out these uh, suspects, uh, two, three of them have now been arrested, uh, but they have been scamming people from across the country who are giving large amounts of money, down payments for these food trucks that they did have a location here where they were selling them. They did, they did sell a, fir a few at first, um, but then they got into the habit of taking their money, saying they were working on the food trucks, uh, taking advantage of people who um, were resident aliens, you know, who might not have spoken mm -hmm. well in good English. Um, this is probably their, their business. Their, their, they life, their livelihood. The truck. Yeah. That's right. Uh, a little taquito truck or something. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And uh, they, we've had complainants from Kansas City, from... Dallas, Houston, all uh, other states uh, who were completely scammed, who gave over their life savings. I think one complainant uh, had given $50,000 over. So, so you think there's people out there in the community that, that probably have not reported it because they're embarrassed or they didn't yes. know they could? So you're like, afraid. They're, right. They may be afraid. And Right now, we've we've had several meetings. We're up to almost seventy victims, seventy oh, wow. complainants, and almost at a million dollars. Wow! And how many? How much money? So, they've so you'd stolen. like more people to come out and 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 let you know if they've been scammed or they suspect they've been scammed? Yes, and and I probably won't say it exactly right, but the company was called Two Tralita. 
Tutrelita, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tutrelita, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said it perfectly. Sounds like somebody over by the airport. I know there's one. There's a, there's a few in town. The airport. Manufacturer, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. Uh, and hopefully our viewers uh, will will uh, share that with your, your friends, family, or if you think you've been a victim, contact the Bear County Sheriff's Department. And, and in, in the event that you forget you know, how to, con- or you're just heat of the moment, you can always shoot us an email to info at the Texas examiner.com. And we'll make sure to forward that information on to the people that need to see it. Thank you, John. Uh, Ranger Wright, is there a, a, a case, a uh, particular investigation or case that sticks out in your career that you're most proud of? Oh, um, well, uh, there's a few of them that I'm, I'm proud of throughout the years. Uh, we we had out in El Paso, I remember we had a couple of teenagers that were kidnapped. Uh, these are separate cases, by the way. Um, a couple of teenagers that were kidnapped, uh, one from the Graham, Texas area, one from the Fort Worth area. And both of their kidnappers brought them down to uh, to El Paso, attempting to get into Juarez. So one of them, I was actually able to find the suspect vehicle with... Uh, with the the juvenile that had been kidnapped uh, prior to them getting to the border. This was about three o'clock in the morning. I just with working with the victim's sister, um, we're able to find them, take the suspect into custody and, and return the, the girl home safely. Uh, the other, uh, they actually got into Juarez. They actually crossed the border. So that was a challenge as far as working uh, several days with the Mexican authorities, with the U.S. Marshal's office, um, because they are the ones who really had the contacts mm-hmm. over in Juarez. And uh, we were able to recover the girl uh, within a couple of days. And then a few days later, we actually got the suspect brought back over as well. So uh, those those were satisfying cases Absolutely. for me. For, for me. Uh, what was what was the long term goal of the offender in that in that situation? I mean, he's was it just a ransom for money or the one from from Wattis, the mm-hmm. one that actually got to Wattis? Uh, the the victim told us uh, when we debriefed her later on. She said that he was planning on going to South America. Um, he had actually tattooed her on the other side over in Juarez. Sounds like sex trafficking. Uh, it, it was absolutely sex trafficking. Right. right. And uh, Caucasian so, female or minority uh, female? Hispanic female okay. and a, uh, a white male. Uh, and he was, if memory serves me correctly, I think he was 27 and she was 13. Oh, no. So they met online. He was from Ohio. Mm. And he had actually, he had an ankle bracelet on from a previous case where he had kidnapped a girl in Pennsylvania. So he cut his ankle bracelet off, came down to, to the Fort Worth area and uh, and kidnapped this girl when she got out of junior high. And so probably, probably groomed her on the Internet for a while and got absolutely. her to tr- trust him. And then when you say kidnap something, I'm assuming it probably wasn't the classic kidnap where you grab him, throw him in the van. She probably went in like a runaway willingly with him. Correct. And, and I, I share that because I, I do a lot of speaking on human trafficking and sex trafficking and and. Uh, a lot of people need to understand that that uh, it's not uh, the classic uh, TV where you grab somebody's kid at the store and take them. A lot of times they communicate with them for months on end or years and they groom them, they get their confidence and then they 
pick them up at school yeah. or at an event. And that's exactly what happened. It's too late. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No longer is it the ice cream truck coming. No, mm-hmm. no, it, it's a little more sophisticated. And and thank you for that. Thank you for uh, sure. for sharing. That's that. a great story. Is is there a a case like we asked, uh, you know, Chief uh, Sanford here? Is there a case that you would like to share with the the public, our viewers, that perhaps they can help uh, the Texas Rangers at this time, an active case? Well, see, we have a, uh, so we have a specific dedicated ranger who works like our cold cases, the cold case homicides, and for Company F, which is this whole central Texas area. So uh, I don't normally work those. However, I will say that when I first got here uh, in 2013, uh, the sheriff's office uh, started working a, a cold case from 2004, and it was Beth Hicks. Beth Hicks was an adult probation officer here in Kendall County, and she was murdered outside of her home off of John's Road. And uh, it was a very, uh, she was beaten to death. Mm. Um, there were a lot of interviews done, a lot of things done the 10 years prior before me even getting here. And so the sheriff's office had reopened it. I helped a little bit with that, but uh, the FBI was brought in as well. And so, uh, again, 20 years, a lot of fading memories, things like that. But uh, if, if there's anybody out there that that knew her, knew anything about it, um, that may have suspected anything at all, any new information would be good information. And it's Beth Hicks. Beth Hicks. Hicks. Yes. Individual. And, and no and suspects? Uh, there, there were suspects, but... Uh, Different leads, never Persons of interest. Correct. And this was 2004 time frame? 2004. Okay, so Bernie was still Bernie for the most part at that time frame. And so everybody still knew everybody. So you're hoping that maybe there's somebody left in the community or if they've left the community and happened across our podcast, that they recollect something. And the name um, is Beth Hicks. And the name is Beth Hicks, that they can reach out. Uh, to the uh, Texas Rangers. Texas uh, Rangers or the Kendall County Sheriff's Office. Okay, right. The Kendall County Sheriff's Office retains the original records, uh, but obviously uh, we will help them out in any way we can. Thank you for that, Ranger. Um, uh, Nancy, uh, are are there any uh, shifts in criminal activity right now in in our area, Bear County uh, to Kendall County? Because I know the crime kind of sifts back and forth. Uh, Or any trends that uh, you'd like to share with us so we can let our community know? Sure. And I actually live uh, not in Kendall County, but on the north side of Bear County, northwest side. So I do see things happening in both areas. And what I can tell you right now is there's a dramatic increase in the uh, theft of vehicles and the burglary of vehicles. And it's like down at the rim. It's like every time I yeah, but it's around. moved north. It's you know, coming we, back up this way. Yeah, there's a lot of apartments now. They're building and apartments mm. that are now inhabited on the I-10 corridor. Very easy to yeah. easy access on and off. They can get into these cars very quickly. Um, and the sheriff has done a lot of work on putting the information out, like the 9 p.m. routine. You know, check your car. Take your weapons. Uh, don't don't leave weapons in in the vehicle, but check it and make sure they're not in there. Lock up your car. Lock up any valuables. That that should just be a routine now, because unfortunately, we have a lot of younger teenagers, kids out there uh, that know they go around rattling doors on on vehicles to see if they're open, and until people. Um, stop putting or leaving items in their car, it's going to continue. Sure. So 
the the uh, burglary thefts really in in all areas of the county have dramatically uh, exponentially increased and i think it can be prevented a lot of that can be prevented if the community realizes what's going on nobody uh, wants to be a a victim of this um, crime and what's happening also was these kids are looking for guns right and we found that the guns are being used we have a lot of stolen weapons out there and they've even been used on officers Hmm. that's unfortunately uh, become a trend so we have to get this under control and the more information we can put out there the more awareness the more education uh, the better for texas you know it's interesting that 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 is uh something that we're talking about because as you remember we just did an interview with an international arms dealer and getting the uh the information and firsthand information of of transfers of illicit uh firearms and weapons uh fast and furious right right you know and those weapons being used against uh our officers and it's really concerning to me i live out in candelia out in the middle of nowhere on a ranch and it's fenced and so i get in the habit i don't always lock my car no i'm guilty of also leaving my 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 pistola in, that's in the good vehicle. to know i don't live too far from you that's right <laughs> but but it's a great reminder because here in kendall county the the folks that have been here a while don't really right. they haven't internalized right. that it's a real threat and all it takes is that we're one still, time we're still living in utopia and i do yes. i leave my key i leave my keys in my car when i go to walgreens right well you know and, and i'm guilty of that but folks this is a great reminder Let's let's help this out and 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 stop leaving our our, our firearms and our, our vehicles unlocked. Also, anything, yeah, anything. Just, just it's the old basics. Just lock your car and you know, take your valuables with you. But it's scary that we can't do that anymore. That's yes. what bothers me. It, you know, I I I've, I've got to ask the fentanyl question because uh, you know I uh, I hear uh, it seems like every time I hear is fentanyl, 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 fentanyl's coming. Um, how bad is it? Uh, in in our area, uh, Chief? It's bad. It is. It's bad. You're not going to hear about every single seizure that happens. You're not going to hear even about defendants who are being prosecuted in federal and state court. And there is a new law now mm-hmm. where uh, murder can be charged for somebody who gives fentanyl drug dealer. to a person that overdoses and dies or as we say now, po- they're poisoned and die. Um, yes. We have several cases. We've actually, our organized crime division, uh, there's a narcotics component, and they have probably six to eight fentanyl cases right now that they're investigating, and we're actually working very closely with DEA hmm. on uh, these cases. I know of one case, uh, you know, I still have a lot of friends in law enforcement attorneys that, that I speak to in one particular case here in San Antonio that, that stuck with me is they arrested this person who was actually manufacturing it here. It's not always, they're not always coming from China like we think. It, we're, it's getting so bad that we're manufacturing it ourselves. But this particular uh, individual was manufacturing them and had them color-coded based on the uh, strength of, of the fennel, which is uh, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it can be in, in pill form can be in powder form. It's even dangerous to the officers that are going into these homes. We don't always know 
uh, that it's fentanyl. We have to take a lot of precautions now with handling it, especially our crime scene unit. So it, it's definitely the a drug. Uh, unfortunately, I think it's here to stay for a while. And as it becomes more potent, then it just becomes more dangerous. We still have heroin, cocaine in the streets? Absolutely. That's, that hasn't changed. Out there. And, and they lace that with fentanyl. Well, and that's what I was going to ask, is that's what we, we hear a lot. The, the, the fear is, hey, you're, you know, yes, you're probably, maybe you're just going out for, for an ounce of uh, THC or marijuana, but then it, it come to find out it's laced with the fentanyl. And I'm thinking to myself, what business person is going to want to add something to their product that could potentially deplete their 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 pool of, of customers? Mm -hmm. What what is what do you think the thought is behind lacing? It's greed. It's all about the money. You know, they have no regard for human life and no regard for anything but making money out of it. Mm -hmm. um, look at the vapes. The vape, that's a whole nother subject. But these cake box, they call them cake boxes where the vape cartridges are in them. You, you can add fentanyl to those. Oh, and wow. we have teenagers killing each other over vape cartridges that cost $10, $15. Um, the last probably three to five homicides we've had have involved kids who are killing each other. Intentionally by lacing it? No, they're or, killing or each other over take... the sale of these vape cartridges. Is it the addictive properties of, of the fentanyl or is it the, the, and I don't know that it's addictive, I'm just throwing the high. But is it the high? Is that, is, are people looking for that, therefore they're going to go by knowing that it's laced? but not understanding the risks. I think it's a lot of times there, they don't even know okay. that there's fentanyl in there. So they're going for that high. Um, and there are some dangers involved. You know, the, the people are buying Narcan off the counters to, um, with, to prepare. Yeah, to, to prepare, prepare for an overdose or yeah, in case it happens. Because it, uh, the adverse. Right, uh, and the adverse the effects. Effects of it. Mm -hmm. um, I think what you were uh, alluding to, John, if I, it was that uh, why is a drug dealer lacing something without the person knowing, running the risk that that person, his customer could die? Right. That's, yeah, I, I still struggle with that a little bit. I understand the financial implications behind it, but, you know, if I'm a drug dealer, and I want marijuana from you. You're not. You're going to sell me marijuana. I'm going to give you the. But best if I ask for, but if I ask for you to lace it with fentanyl, then you're going to charge me more. But why would you lace it, uh, knowing that it could hurt somebody? It, it, and it, it almost seems to me you have to have a. a, a the psychology behind this is probably yeah. very, very interesting about why the, right. the offenders do this. It, it just boggles my mind that another human being <clears throat> would intentionally lace a substance that. Sure. Arguably, could be. You know, could it be cross contamination sometimes too? That they're they they got marijuana. They also have uh, fentanyl in their labs or uh, manufacturing, and there's some cross contamination. Or do we know? I I imagine that could be possible, but you know the the high is going to be a lot more intense. Those that want that high, yes, for course, sure. Yeah, and of for course sure. that's something that the addict is always after a better high. Well, and I've seen uh, in, in the medical business, you know, we've seen a lot of patients that, you know, they start with an injury and 
they're on hydrocodone, then oxycodone, then oxycontin, then they, the doctor cuts them off because of fear of misuse. And then now they're looking for something to, to supplement it. So they go to heroin or, right. uh, and it's just a slippery slope. And some of these people are, are good people. You know, they, they, they were teachers, uh, law enforcement, uh, even doctors that happened to be in a, in a situation that became a slippery slope. And it's sad. Uh, that's, that's still happening in our country. If there's one constant in, in my career, it's that I've come across so many people who've committed these crimes. They're decent people. Mm -hmm. They've just made a very bad mistake. Right. And and that's that is a constant throughout my entire career. And, and you know, I'm sure uh, you're the same way. You always try to treat people the way you want to be treated and, and kind of keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, don't lose sight of the human element. That it, that it is good people do make mistakes. Enforcement with empathy, right? Uh, What's that? Enforcement with empathy. Yes. When you're absolutely, you're, you're, you got to put yourself in their shoes. Um, Ranger, uh, shifting a little bit, uh, the hot topic right now is is the uh, Operation Lone Star. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, how does how has that affected the Texas Rangers? Uh, or are you guys involved in that? To go down to the yes, border. Absolutely. And, uh, so. As far as the Rangers and DPS in general, right. uh, DPS is sending what's known as our special operations group mm -hmm. uh, down to the border, several locations, uh, basically trying to apprehend the, the illegal aliens that don't want to be caught. Right. Um, and, and so the Rangers have operators within the special operations group. Um, I'm, I, I personally, I fly drones embedded with the uh, special operations group. So... Uh, we will go and, and, and fly drones and help out the SOG guys right. uh, try to find the ones that don't want to be caught, whether it's in the brush, uh, whether it's uh, in Eagle Pass, mm -hmm. um, you know, or down in the valley, wherever. I'm, I mean, you can. So you're actually gone to the border then. You've been doing some of these uh, assignments. Yes. That's yes. Uh, wow. Pretty, pretty often for the, for about the past year and a half, it's been about one week out of every month that I wow. deploy down to the border. You know, I'm I'm a little bit jealous because I guarantee you because I, I fly uh, UASs or drones mm -hmm. as well and 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 my investigative uh, company I don't have the cool toys that you guys do have <laughs> so I'm sitting here always trying I'll to figure it. out <laughs> we've got I need, some pretty cool I need stuff. IR I need I've got a lot of toys too <laughs> the, the thermal cool. the thermal capability on these drones is it's just pretty spot on. Off off the charts. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah, I, when I was in the board patrol, we had the FLIRs and the thermals, and I'm sure they're nothing like what they are today. But uh, they were they were cool to have. The um, the zoom capability on our cameras is is phenomenal as well. That's fantastic. I, when I first started doing it about a year and a half ago, I was blown away by the technology. It reminds me. Um, Early in my Army career, when I was an uh, avionics mechanic, we went to Fort Huachuca as part of JTF-6. Yes. And very interesting story down there. I mean, it, and it's been, it's past the time now, so I can give a few details, but we had an Apache helicopter. And of course, you know, they're flying over the border and they're always looking out over the border. And we had brand new, the, the FLIR on the Apache back then was, you know, day hot, night hot, all that gee whiz stuff. And we'd get to watch the tapes when they came back, right? But I was, I was shocked. Uh, when I went out onto the flight line at, at, on Wachuca after one of our missions mm -hmm. and uh, on the side of the bullet holes on the side of the, the Apache. And I'm like, my goodness. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah I, I'm, uh, I hear the, 
it, this is close to me because having worked on the border for so many years, uh, I see the uh, DPS down there. We always work closely with DPS, uh, but how uh, how is it actually ha going on today on the border, uh, Kevin? Because we've always had great relationships, Border Patrol, DPS, but I, when I hear the news, it's like uh, there's conflict. Is that is that accurate, or are you guys working closely with Border Patrol? I, I think that that's uh, from from my personal, um, I guess my personal experience, I, I, I've never seen that. Um, I mean, you get some flare-ups between personalities from time to time, right. but by and large, Border Patrol and DPS are working. Still working together. And and the, I, I will say this, that the morale for Border Patrol is, it's in the dumps. For the line agents that want to get out there, they want to do their job, it is just, it, it's, it's unbelievable how they feel they've been handcuffed. Mm -hmm. Um and, and that's coming straight from a lot of the line agents that, that I've spoken with personally. Well, it, it's, it's, and I believe that when I was in the Border Patrol, uh, we had 21 chief patrol agents at different sectors from Brownsville to, to California. And these chiefs had a lot of authority. Um, uh, Washington would just provide us with resources, budgets, and personnel. Uh, but for the most part, operationally, every day the chief would make the call, and he he or she would coordinate with the other chiefs in the sectors to move people around. So, uh, but now uh, seems like the border patrol is run from Washington D.C. now uh, headquarters, which it's kind of like the Pentagon mm -hmm. running a, a war for you in Afghanistan. You know, right? It's not always uh, effective when you know the the decision makers are far far from there. But it's good to hear that at least you guys are working together because when you hear the news, it almost sounds like the the tensions are. You know, between the law enforcement uh, that DPS is going down there to do the, and they're not letting Border Patrol do the work. Uh, but that's not what you're seeing. You're seeing I, more cooperation. I would say that's probably at the higher levels, political levels. Uh, correct. Right. Yeah. Down down in the field, um, you know, we're, we're we're always helping them down there. They're very appreciative of us helping them. Good. Uh, you know, we're very appreciative of any of the assets that they want to bring, whether it's a canine uh, yes. or, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, the, the line agents and the, the guys on the ground with DPS get along fantastically. Yeah. Well, we're great. We're great sign cutters, which <laughs> is called tracking for some people. That, that That's is, one of the things I'm, I still use today that they taught me in the war. Absolutely. That, yeah. that skill is uh, very useful down there. Yes. And it's a it's, a, it's also a perishable skill yes. that if, if they're not down in the field doing that, if nope. they're not down there on the line doing that, they can lose that skill. So it's a good point. It's important to keep them down there doing that. Yeah, I'm just curious, and you may not know the answer to this, but, but when, when we're bringing uh, law enforcement from other states, commissioned in their states, how does that work when they show up and, you know, now you're working side by side? Do, do, is there reciprocity with their peace officer license? Does the governor have to, to sign some documentation to make them peace officers in Texas, or are they just there in a supporting role without any law enforcement authority? By and large, I think they are in a supporting role, mm -hmm. but uh, I, I think that something within those emergency powers that the governor signed, uh, and I'm sure you know some type of agreement with the governor of those right. states as well. I think we've had Nebraska down. Uh, I've personally worked with uh, Florida Highway Patrol, um, and, and those those guys and girls coming over are fantastic. Also, they're right. they're there to do the job. They believe in what they're doing. They're they're here to help. And so, you know, God bless them for coming down and, and helping out Amen. because right. the, yep. it's needed and it's much appreciated. Well, um, I'm, I'm very happy to have uh, 
these fine law enforcement Absolutely. professionals here. Uh, thank you for, for making the time, uh, Chief Sanford, Sanford and uh, uh, Ranger Wright. Uh, are there any, any parting words you'd like to share with our viewers, Ranger? Uh, you know, I'd just, I'd like to say that, you know, living here in the Texas Hill Country is fantastic uh, and, and for a multitude of reasons. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I talk to officers all throughout the country and they don't have the support that we have here in the Hill Country. Mm. Uh, you know, if I'm in a convenience store or restaurant, uh, I still have people come up. Sometimes they'll buy our lunch, uh, which is appreciated, but not expected by any means. But um, they, they come up and they thank us for what we do. That's right. and, and it's a good feeling. Uh, we have that here in, in this part of Texas, at least. And, and so, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm just I'm proud to be a part of the fabric of Bernie in the hill country and, and i love the people here i'm proud to have you absolutely and, uh chief uh, uh what, what do you have to say nancy to our viewers well you know it's it's great being out here we work a lot with bernie pd kendall county the texas rangers several cases uh, law enforcement in general really gets along well i hear that from other federal departments that come in and and we're very lucky here and I have to say in Bear County, it's very much like Kendall County where we just, the other day we were at a restaurant, somebody bought us lunch and uh, I wasn't even in complete uniform, mm. but they knew we were with the sheriff's department and it really does, I mean, it's great. They buy you lunch, but it's nice to know that people do appreciate our services. And I think being in military City USA uh, helps. That has a lot to do with that. Yeah. But um, we, you know, we appreciate all the community support in Bear County, and we look forward to working with these other law enforcement agencies on a daily basis. And thank you for for having us, because I think the education and awareness, whether it's on fentanyl or sexual, you know, uh, exploitation of children, it's so important to get the word out. And it's so, it's just refreshing to, to hear that and to reaffirm, I mean, Kendall County, the Texas Hill Country, the greater Texas Hill Country, we are unique. You know, you have Texas and then now we have the Hill Country. And I think uh, people that are looking to move to the area, they that's kind of abstract. They're not really thinking about that. They're more thinking about, you know, value of their property <laughs> and it's how much money can they make if they buy a house and then right. sell it in a year. But the real value to, to where we live, and both of y'all hit the, the nail right on the head, is our culture and, and our genuine love and compassion and empathy for people. And I think Kendall County's right at the top of that list. Sure. Uh, when we're going down, what are the pros? Sure, absolutely. Living here. Yeah, John, you had a. Uh, I didn't mean to cut. No, you no, no, no. You're fine. Do you have any more questions of well, these other people? I would like to ask uh, Ranger Wright, uh, and I don't think we really adequately covered this at the beginning. But your specific role, what what are you charged with uh, in your region, in your area, and how does that translate uh, to the general public? Because I'm not sure the general public they think Texas Ranger. Okay, he's yes, he's law enforcement. He's out there, but what? Do they really do? And and I'm I guess I'm getting to you know uh, reports of official oppression. Uh, you're investigating other law enforcement agencies. What what exactly are is sure, your... we we kind of do all of that. So right. we're we're the primary investigative division of the Texas Department of Public Safety, and so 
Uh, that being said, any officer-involved shooting that happens with mm -hmm. our troopers, uh, we're, we're going to run lead on that. Um, any, uh, any type of uh, employee uh, investigation, if it's criminal in nature, we will investigate like that. Public corruption as well. And we do public corruption yep. for not just DPS, but for every government entity. Um, the you know, internal it, affairs for the state. <laughs> well, internal affairs, but criminal. We don't do we don't do administrative gotcha. stuff. We do criminal stuff. Gotcha. So, uh, but yes, whether whether it's an officer who's who's done something wrong, uh, official oppression, like you mentioned earlier, uh, I've investigated several of those. Uh, whether it's uh, some type of misallocations of funds on on the, uh, you know, on on behalf of like a county official or right. something along those lines, right. uh, we can get called in for those. But, uh, and a lot of our work is helping out the smaller agencies that don't have some of the resources like, like Bear County Sheriff's Office. Bear County Sheriff's Office is, and I've worked with their CID before, they're top notch. Right. Uh, and they're very self-sufficient. Uh, now, granted, we have jurisdictional jurisdictional things that, that uh, you know, we work together on mm -hmm. and, and things like that, but, you know, uh, our motto is, you know, whatever we have, it's yours, and, and it's the same with them. So we work very well together. But some of the smaller agencies, like, say, uh, you know, Bandera County Sheriff's mm -hmm. Office, um, and, and, and Bernie and uh, Kendall County are, are very self-sufficient as well. They're very good uh, departments. Right. And, and so, uh, so, but some of the smaller ones, we, we help them out with some of their major investigations. You mentioned it earlier, or I can't remember. One, somebody said something about um, uh, uh, fear of retaliation or fear of reprisals. And if there is somebody in the greater Kendall County or Hill Country community that thinks that they may know something or have some information, uh, either official oppression or abuse of government funds, whatever that, that case may be, how would that individual, number one, go about uh, making the complaint, especially if they're making, if the complaint is against the, the agency that has jurisdiction, mm -hmm. right? Uh, number one. And then, uh, number two, uh, well, let's do number one first. Okay. I just forgot sure. number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so our standard protocol, we get contacted with things, uh, with requests to, to look into that kind of stuff. Now, as far as investigating an officer, an agency, uh, a county agency, it's obviously not something we kind of take willy-nilly. We're right. just going to run in and do an investigation. Sure. So uh, we we usually have them meet with the district attorney's office, mm -hmm. and and that's that's our standard protocol because if the DA's office thinks that there's something there, they're going to request our involvement, and we're going to get involved. So right. usually the district attorney is going to request you guys. As Co correct. On, so it's on, triaged on, at that level, at the DA yes, level. Okay. Yes. On, on certain things like that, the public corruption, like an officer or a – uh, you yeah. know, like an agency head or DPS trooper or sheriff or uh, not police necessarily, right? But as long as it's well, and police officers, police students. officers too. Okay, yes, absolutely. We we yeah. well, we you've do got a lot of <laughs> a lot of authority and a lot a wide range of uh, scope, and it's it's something we don't take lightly. Yeah, it's it's something that we it's uh you know investigating police officers is not no. the most fun part of my job, but it's a necessary part yeah. of my job. So how would a citizen, again, if they knew that they think they know something, is there a, an 800 number? Is there a website? How do they, do they go to, again, do they go to their lo local law enforcement or do they, how would they initiate the triage for, for a case like sure. that? I think it's, uh, it kind of depends on um, what the case is. If it's, if it's to do with a particular officer, 
Um, I, I can tell you my two agencies here, Kendall County and Bernie PD, they take it very seriously if right. somebody comes and complains on their officers. Okay. So that I would say my first step would be to do that, to go to the, go to the agency, talk to uh, one of their supervisors mm -hmm. as far as and in, in, in put out the, the complaint. Mm -hmm. um, if, it, if it's criminal in nature, normally they're going to give us a call and say, hey, you know, we don't want to investigate our own criminally. We'd like you to do it. Right. So, and whether it's me or whether it's a ranger from another area, sometimes they'll do that because since we work with Kendall County Sheriff's Office, we work with Bernie PD, or I do personally, uh, it might be a ranger from San Antonio that comes over and looks into that. Gotcha. Well, go I think that, I think they pretty much covered everything. That's uh Yes, a lot, lot of authority here. And, Absolutely. Uh, but also I can see there's a, a human element to both uh, the chief here and the ranger. Absolutely. It's, it's refreshing to, to know that uh, they're, uh, you know, they're part of the community as well. So, you know, they, uh, they care about us. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, they'll definitely put us in jail if we do something wrong. But they, but they, but they, but you maybe. They, they, they'll, they'll do it with compassion. Yes, compassion. Absolutely. <laughs> the empathy cuffs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, folks, thank, thank you so much for tuning in again to the Texas Examiner. And again, if you have any comments or questions that you'd like to send uh, for um, uh, Texas Ranger Kevin Wright or uh, uh, Chief Deputy, Deputy Chief uh, Nancy Sanford with Bear County, uh, please send it to us and we'll uh, gladly get it to them and, and uh, put it on uh, one of our uh, later shows or, or on our Facebook page. And folks, again, um, just as you're going about your day after you've watched this and, and you've listened to this, please uh, take a moment uh, of silence, bow your head, and offer up prayers and hedges of protection around our first response uh, responders and our law enforcement officers as they go out there every single day, uh, not knowing what they're going to face. And we are so grateful for, for everything that they do for our community. And just remember, in every profession, Every single profession, there's a bad apple, and that one bad apple doesn't necessarily uh, uh, color the rest of the organization because of those actions. So keep your, your first responders and law enforcement officials at the forefront of your mind. And while you're at it, reach down, click the like, subscribe. I have to get in the obligatory, please uh, uh, follow us and share this information uh, amongst your friends and your groups and your family so that everybody can partake and understand what's going on in your community. I think that's it. That's it. Thank All you right, so folks, much. Y'all have a great day. Thank you very much. Texas Examiner signing off. <laughs>